Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Bible in the News. This is Tim Billington joining you. So we've had elections in Israel and we have a new right-wing government, it looks like. Benjamin Netanyahu has got back in and his most likely coalition partners are very much on the right end of the spectrum, as, as that would be classified. So here we go. Um, Netanyahu back in power, the Jewish News Syndicate, uh, his bloc, those that have aligned themselves behind him, that have said that they will support him, total 64 out of 120 seats. So that is, as far as Israeli politics is concerned, that is a decisive victory. So if we take a look at how that looks on the uh, political map, we see that they have 120 seats in their government. Likud is the largest party at the top there. And then you have Yesh Atid, the party that Yer Lapid comes from, who is the current prime minister. And then um, as you go on down, the something that is really amazing that is has not been seen before is you have the religious Zionist party as the third largest party with 14 seats. This is quite astounding and it is kind of making some people in the world nuts. But is this really something that is bad, something we should be afraid of, or is this something that we maybe could have expected from Bible prophecy and maybe it will further things along on the path that they, they need to go in God's plan. So let's take a look then at who the religious Zionism party is. It's actually a little bit of a conglomeration of really three main parties. There's the one that's the classic religious Zionist party that's been around for a long time. It's kind of had different names and moved around with different different members, different parties as they as they jockey together or um, separate to try and position themselves for a better outcome in the elections. But right now they have partied with a party called Otsma Yehudit and it was partly Benjamin Netanyahu was doing to try and amalgamate some of those right-wing parties together so that it would be sure that they would all cross the threshold. And the one party, Otsma Yehudit, has um, frequently not made it past the threshold. They have been in before, but for them to win 14 seats is quite unprecedented and, and, and will likely give them quite a significant amount of power and say in the coming government. So let's look a little bit more closely at what this party is. What is Otsmai Here's their party platform. As you look up there on their front page, there, there are three things. They've got peace really big, but how are they planning to get peace? They look to um, Aliyah, construction, and emigration. Emigration really of those that uh, might not support the state, might act against it, and, and those sorts of things. So as we dig in then, um, here are some points. I'm not going to bore you reading the entire thing, but just to summarize what they mean by these things. So the, the idea of Aliyah, there's 10 million Jews still in the diaspora, though, and they would like to do everything they can to encourage those people to come, to smooth their way, um, and to, to increase the Jewish population that way, and, and make sure that the demographics are on their side. Um, they also talk about construction, and there's there's two sides to the construction. They want to uh, clear the way to construct for Jews, to build for Jews in um, all of the land of Israel. They have different plans for different parts of the land. They want to remove the concept of the green line. So the idea of the West Bank, as people call it, Judea and Samaria, 
being separated out and treated differently. They would like all of Israel to be treated the same. And then um, as we move on to the most controversial area, the idea of encouraging um, people to, to leave, um, there's a couple of classes of people they would like to, to help in this way. Um, the one is people that actually would like to leave and start a life somewhere else. They would like to make that more convenient for them, pave their way, help other countries who are willing to accept them do that, and therefore reduce the, the Arab population in Israel. But they aren't talking about any kind of force transfer or anything like that. It's just if you actually don't want to live there, they will help you find a comfortable life somewhere else. Another class of people is people who are actually terrorists and who actually act against the state of Israel and commit crimes. And those people they would actually like to expel. So if you're a terrorist, if you act against the state, um, then you have no place there. You have no um, you have no loyalty to what they're doing, and, uh, and, and this party would support actually kicking those people out. Moving on from Otsma, I would like to um, talk a little bit about Benjamin Netanyahu, because although he's been in power before, he was in the middle of the Abraham Accords. There was various things going on, and what can we expect from him? As far as the Iran situation is concerned, he's committed to preventing Iran from from obtaining a nuclear weapon. It's not clear what he would consider appropriate to do to prevent that from happening. In the past, obviously, he did not go in and try and take out their nuclear facilities or anything like that militarily, but um, who knows in the future, maybe that could be. But I would just like to play you a, a clip about, he's talking about the Abraham Accords in an interview, and he moves on to Saudi Arabia, who has not yet signed up. It says about how he would like them to do so, I'll just play it for you. It's peace with Saudi Arabia, which I intend to achieve if I go back into office. And I think there's a chance I will achieve it because I think Saudi Arabia and many of the other Arab countries who haven't yet made peace with us know that I'm absolutely committed to preventing Iran from having nuclear weapons, which is uh, something that they are keenly interested in. Uh, and uh, so I think there's a correlation between the rise of Iran and the rise of Israel. The rise of Israeli power facilitated the Abraham Accords, and the continual uh, nurturing of Israeli power will also uh, nurture, I think, a broader peace with Saudi Arabia and, and nearly all of the rest of the Arab world. I intend to bring the Arab-Israeli conflict to a close. So in context then of um, peace with Saudi Arabia, he, he says that he intends to bring the Arab-Israeli conflict as a whole to a close. So that brings a suspicion then of, of how exactly does he intend to do this, or the question, which is considered by Israel National News in this article and, and draws those two things together. This is not juxtaposed by him coincidentally, but uh, the question is raised whether he would like to implement Saudi Arabia's plan. They do have a different plan towards peace with the Palestinians than, um, than others have. And you can see there in the cartoon that uh, Netanyahu says he'll bring peace with Saudi Arabia and end the Arab-Israeli conflict. And then asks the question, meaning that he will implement 
the Saudi plan for a Hashemite kingdom of Palestine. So what is the Saudi plan for a Hashemite kingdom of Palestine? They actually link to an article to help you answer that for yourself. Um, it's in this uh, news article from Al Arabia. And as you read through it, it details various things about the plan. I'll just give you a little quote from that. This proposed enlarged kingdom would include present-day Jordan, Gaza, and the West Bank, areas populated by the Palestinians attached in a contiguous manner and physically connected to Jordan, i.e. not broken up into islands. So basically, the idea is that the current country of Jordan would be expanded to include uh, areas in the West Bank and Gaza, so that rather than there be a state under the Palestinian Authority or something like that, that instead it would be ruled over by the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan, which could then be the Hashemite Kingdom of Palestine. So with that in mind then, I would just like to consider some things that we know from the Bible. We know that God has a dim view of those who appoint his land out for themselves, that therefore oppose his bringing back of his people to the land and remembering his promises and remembering Abraham, and especially those that are spiteful to him, spiteful to his people. Um, I would refer you to Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 5 for that. In Daniel chapter 11 and verse 40, where it's talking about the king of the north in the end when he starts his military campaigns and, uh, and comes against various countries in actual fact. It specifically mentions that Moab, which would be the area that is now Jordan, or at least a significant part of the area that is Jordan, that they would escape out of, they would escape out of his hand. They are not taken over by the king of the north, whereas a lot of other Arab countries around there are. So from that verse alone, you might consider that, well, maybe Jordan is neutral. Maybe they don't really get involved in the battles of the time of the end. The thing that is interesting about that, or perhaps strange, is that the verses that talk about the coming of the king from the south, the coming of the Lord back to establish the kingdom, as he's seen marching up, it's in the pattern of the Exodus in the past when they came up on that side of the Jordan River, and it specifically mentions how he has war with that country, with those people on that side. So why so early? in the campaign to overthrow the nations. Why, before he even attacks Gog, does he attack this country that seems to be neutral? Uh, three verses there, um, Ezekiel chapter 35, verse 15, Isaiah 34, verse 6, and Isaiah 63, and verse 1. Another thing that's interesting, interesting to consider is that when peace comes, it seems to be controversial. It's not something that everybody likes and actually brings lasting peace to the world. Rather, it's mentioned in Ezekiel 38, almost as if it's a, uh, a reason why God comes down into the land. Ezekiel chapter 38 of verse 14 and Joel chapter 3 verse 8 and 9 is, are, the, are the verses I have in mind there. So let's have a look at a couple of those. Joel chapter 3 and verse 4. Yeah, and what have ye to do with me, O Tyre and Sidon and all the coasts of Palestine? Will you render a recompense? And if you recompense me swiftly and speedily, will I return your recompense upon your own head? Because you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried into your temples my goodly pleasant things. So um, these people then are acting against God. They have at least attempted to remove the inhabitants of Jerusalem into what's called here the hands of the Grecians. 
But then it goes on explaining how these plans and actions that they take actually come back on their own heads and, and their, their plans really backfire. Uh, so verse 7, Behold, I will raise them out of the place where you have sold them, and I will return your recompense upon your own head, and I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the children of Judah, and they shall sell them to the Sabaeans, to a people far off, for the Lord has spoken it. I was talking about this with my nephew, Josh Billington, and he pointed out about how there's somewhere else where the people of Israel are sold into the hand of their enemies, and God turns it against them, and it backfires against those who acted against his people. It's the principle, really, that those that bless them will be blessed, and those that curse them will be cursed, because God has blessed them, so how really can it be otherwise? That place where that happens is Esther. So Esther chapter 7, verse 3, Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given at my petition, and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed and to be slain and to perish. So it's the same language then of them being sold, and they're being sold to be slain and to perish. But if we have been sold for bondmen, and bond women, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he, and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is that wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. And we know the story. Haman actually himself ends up being hung. All the decrees are reversed, and it, it ends up being a day that is celebrated by the Jews until this very day. Another verse that I'd like for us to consider is we've often in the Bible and news go to Ezekiel chapter 38. Um, just to, con to consider there again how that this concept of peace seems to be connected with God coming down into the land. So although there's a peace that's obviously real and it's there, it is, it's temporary, and, and also it must be controversial. Not everybody is happy with how this has come about. So Ezekiel chapter 38, starting at verse 14, Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, Thus saith the Lord God, In that day when my people of Israel dwell safely, shalt thou not know it? So they're aware of it, not just in kind of an, an academic way, but it's actually a motivation that goes on from there to, uh, to say how that they then come down. They think this evil thought and come against God's people in his land. Verse 15, And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. So there's lots of people that are prepared to come with them for this action. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land. And the reason he does this is um, not because he is given up on his people or he's acting against them or um, anything like that, but rather he's doing it as it says here, I will bring thee against my land that the heathen may know me, when I shall be sanctified in the Ogog before their eyes. So he makes an example of them, and, um, and as we read the rest of the chapter, he destroys them, and uh, there's a great destruction. And in chapter 39, it goes on about the burying, that it's, it, it's so great. So as we consider this in terms of what we're looking at today, then, um, 
we don't know exactly how everything is going to come together, but there's some interesting pieces being put in there right now. And, uh, and it'll be very interesting to see what exactly comes out of this new government, which is being considered the most right wing in Israeli history. You know, in Israel, as you look, um, if you look over a short period of time, you might not really notice it so much. But if you go back in history, the, um, the left wing party that ruled for years and years at the beginning of the state, it was, you know, almost unimaginable that anybody else would gain power in Israel was the Labour Party. And now they're down to only five seats. They're only just made it even into representation in the Knesset. And many of those that are considered left-wing today are nowhere near as left-wing as um, some of those of the not-so-distant past. Many of those on the right are more right-wing as well. The Likud itself is more right-wing than it used to be. You might even say that um, they were, at least for a while, just as left-wing as somebody like Yer Lapid is, in that they were willing to give away a lot of the land and, and a lot of those those policies that would be considered right-wing policies today were not universally held by everybody in the Likud party. So this, over a longer period of time, there's a major shift to the right, and not only to the right, but also more religious, which is very interesting as well. As, as you read the prophecies and how God is going to work with them when they are back in the land. So as we continue to watch the news and consider how the, the Bible is being fulfilled by the things that are coming to pass in the news, we welcome you to come back again for more Bible in the news next week, God willing.